Hey guys, what's going on? Steve Araujo here with The Bass Hang, and thanks for checking out The Bass Hang's podcast. This is episode six, and it's a pretty fun podcast. I sit down with Tom Lanny. He is the CEO, creator, builder of Tensor Basses, and the bumper music that you're going to hear in the beginning, or that you heard at the beginning of the podcast, and that you hear kind of underneath, that was all recorded with a Tensor Bass. Uh, I did a little... Um, little bumper music and recorded with a tensor bass so it was pretty cool and you will hear the music uh, before the interview and probably right after and then I feature the bass geeks so Doug Keppen and I talk flat wound strings and we play a few basses that have flat wound strings so uh, yeah we just discuss a bunch I think we have four or five different basses that have flat wounds and we play them and discuss them and just geek out on flat wound strings and I have a love-hate relationship with flat wounds I like them sometimes and then I generally tend to just take them off the bass and play with round wounds because I like the bright sound but flat wounds are very cool I do have a 78 Music Master Fender short scale bass that has flat wounds and that's staying like that so I'm keeping that one base with flat wounds make sure to subscribe to us either on iTunes or on SoundCloud uh, sorry SoundCloud and again that's the bass hang go check out the for a lot of different things and stuff all bass related also make sure to keep checking on the bass hang bass hang shop tab at the because we're we have t-shirts we have different gear for sale and uh, pretty fun stuff. So the t-shirts are pretty cool. So check that out. And I hope you enjoy episode six of the Bass Hang podcast. And basically, I'm just going to let it roll. So this will be the only other audio from me. So you're going to hear Tom Lanny and I talking, discussing his background and his Tensor Basses. Check them out at TensorBase.com. Then after that, you're going to hear Doug and I talking fretless bass. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Hey guys, what's going on? Steve Araujo here with The Bass Hang, and this is a podcast. Um, for this podcast, and this segment of the podcast, I'm stoked to have Tensor Bass CEO Tom Lanny here. What's going on, Tom? Hey, not too much, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Having a little coffee with you? Yeah. We're talking basses, talking Tensor Basses, so I'm pretty excited. They're, it's a relatively newer company. Yeah, we started, um, actually I started working on the development of the bases a couple of years ago, but we went into business officially in uh, September of last year, of okay. uh, 2014, excuse me. Okay, so you were at NAM last year, 2015 and 2016. Yeah, we did, I think. We, we launched at the summer NAM show in okay. 2015 at Got Ninda it. and in Nashville. Mm -hmm. uh, we did the bass player live show up in LA back in November, <laughs> mm -hmm. and we just finished the 2016 NAM in Anaheim. I was there. It's a great show. How, did you have fun? Good. Oh, it was, like, it was awesome. Yeah, cool. it was great. Great show. Uh, great response to the products. Um, was was good. Very cool. So, what? Um, tell me about your background. I know you you came up uh, back east, East Coast, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I you know grew up like most of us, and uh, you know my my first career path was to be a rock and roll star. Everybody's, Everybody's of course, right? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> that, of course, didn't pay the bills. And so uh, I found myself uh, getting into electronics, which was another you know hobby of mine. And okay. I actually uh, 
Went into that full time and got into engineering, mm -hmm. and spent the last 35 years working in the engineering field. Uh, pretty much that was my main source of income, and I played a little bit here and there, okay. and you know started playing more often as I got older. But mm -hmm. um, you know, so I've always had my hands in playing and. Guitar or bass? bass. Mainly bass, Always right? Bass. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. I, I picked bass up bass because when I picked it up, it had four strings and I had to play one note at a time. So, And, and you know what? Sometimes that's still, that's my, that's my motto, man. Yeah. Make it groove. Make it sound good. And I think you have probably one of my favorite all-time basses. Oh, yes. That, um, which we can go into that story, but it's, uh, yeah, probably what? One of the first couple of hundred P basses made? Uh, I mean, serial number 02245. Oh, so it's like the 245th one that came off the production line, if you believe the serialization. Oh, no, it's literally, it. I mean, that bass still, I just remember holding it oh, yeah. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I, smelling it. Yeah. So, And the story behind it, so I, I know I'm jumping around. I apologize okay. because we've talked and I know that you had ties with Sam Ash, the original store and that's yeah. kind of, so tell me about that kind well, of how you I started. Worked, I worked for Sam Ash okay. back in uh, 1975. Wow. And, and this uh, was, I mean, this is original Sam Ash. This well, is... these are the stores in New York. They okay. had, I believe, five stores. They had one in Manhattan, okay. one in Brooklyn. I worked at that one for a little while. Okay. Then Huntington. Wow. Um, and I think they had one in White Plains, if I recall. So maybe it was four stores. I don't remember completely. But they were a New York music mm -hmm. store. You know, I mean, that's really, yeah. the Brooklyn store was the original store. I mean, that was a staple back east. I mean, yeah. you talk to anybody back east exactly. that was it. oh and the Hempstead yeah, okay Hempstead and your role there what was well what I actually do? was uh, I was repairing amplifiers and okay stuff. so yeah that was part of the electronics again, part. big background in electronics repairing yeah. okay very cool so repairing amplifiers and uh, working there and that's when I came across the uh, the 52 oh, man and uh, it came in uh, the guy who's a luthier there had gotten a lead on it picked this thing up and it was in the original gig bag, had the original strings on it, felt pick, and it was like, you know, so of course, I tortured him until he swapped me for a Martin guitar. And so I acquired that in 1975, and I've had it ever since. It's, so. it's, I can't even, I can't even describe it, it's just amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's definitely a fun, fun instrument. It's sure. a fun instrument, people love it. And then, okay, so Sam Ash, you were doing amp repair there, and yeah. did you do instrument stuff, sales, or just mainly? Yeah, I just, I was downstairs fixing amplifiers. Wow. Yeah, that's what I did. You um, do any <clears throat> stuff for any players? Did you? Yeah, well, I, after I left Sam Ash, I opened up my own shop doing amp repairs and stuff, and okay. we did. You know, worked for Billy Joel's band. I mean, those nice. guys brought their stuff in all the time. You know, um, it was, we're Long Island guys, you know. So I was out on Long Island and, yeah. you know, our shop was in Huntington. And what, was the name of the, what was the name of the shop? Edison Electronics. Edison Electronics, okay. Yeah. Did it go for a while or what was yeah, the story? Yeah, a few years. Yeah. Few years okay. yeah, but, you know, it was, um, it's, you know, we, other things came came up and, you know, I got better job offers and I said, <laughs> oh, what? Well, <laughs> that old pay making, rent, that uh, old making mortgage. money thing, yeah, yeah you know. Oh, man, so, so the uh, the Fender P bass that was I just want to kind of get into the background of playing wise. That was kind of one of your first basses, or did you have other like what well, what bases what bases influence you? Okay, well, <laughs> the first bass I had, mm -hmm. I was probably about fourteen, and I got it from my brother who tried to play bass and decided it wasn't for him. <laughs> That's how I got into it. And what kind of bass and was that? I don't even know. It was no. some off-brand thing. Silvertone, oh, Sears, oh, whoever. It was, it was just, you know, I mean, <coughs> it had 
I had redone it with, you know, this cockamamie wallpaper on the front. I mean, you know, the typical thing yeah. teenage kids do. And, uh, and that, you know, that got me going. Okay. Okay, but at sure. some point I wanted a real bass. You know? Of course. And so I saving up my money, and uh, I finally bought a Fender P bass. Nice. Brand new in 1969. Oh, my God. Now, this is not the one we're talking about, obviously. No. This is, no. so in 69. And so, sadly, wow. I got rid of that. Um, and, you know, of course, it's the old story of if I had known... The one that got what, away. The, yeah. I think if you I had known up. what I had when I had it, I wouldn't have ever gotten rid of it. But in 1971, yeah. it didn't seem like it was that big a deal, you know. But I think you made up for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the yeah, P bass kind of was your first... Yeah. yeah, okay. So I just played the P. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's what I played, you know. So it was that, and then I went to the, uh, the original Precision, the 52. Wow. And I played that for years. And then um, <clears throat> I started to... Uh, I got into five string because okay. ironically I was playing at a church and mm -hmm. there was this tune where there was this riff that went you know from the low G all mm -hmm. the way up two octaves higher and it was like I'm my, I'm going back and forth up and down the neck and this went on for the whole swing I'm going this is crazy this guy's got to be playing a five string with this and that's yeah. when I realized you know maybe I should think about going to five okay and what but year was that that was in probably. I guess 2007. Okay. You know, cool. somewhere around there. Yeah, so there were a lot of, no, seven, there were yeah. a lot of, lot of five strings out yeah. there. So Got at it. that point in time, you know, five strings were. Mm -hmm. And I, I had a Padula at one point. Okay. Um, although the neck on that was really wide for me. Big, I mean, yeah, big, you know, big wide pitch spacing. neck. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I then moved to, I finally wound up with the Spectre Euro 5. Great bases, man. Nice base. I still yeah, have that. Czechoslovakian made, Czech made. Yeah, or? they're in Eastern Europe. Yeah, Eastern yeah. Europe. They're they're very really nice. Yeah, good. nice base. Okay. And uh, and that's what I've been playing for up until I started developing my own. And the Got one it. thing that I found was, you know, it was it's a heavy instrument, mm -hmm. which most five strings are. Yeah. Um, and it weighs in, I think, somewhere around eleven and a half pounds. <laughs> like and, a good seventies yeah. jazz bass or P bass. And it has a big fat chunky neck, which a lot of people like, but mm -hmm. you know, I, I am my preference was for something yeah. a little bit thinner. Okay. And so I decided that, you know, it was time to start designing my own bass. And you know, woodworking had been something I it was a hobby of mine for a long wow. time. So for me to go out and start playing around, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, starting to design a bass mm -hmm. was something that you know, you felt comfortable. I with. felt comfortable with yeah. Well, um, in woodworking, what did you design before, or what did you do? Furniture, well, or, or yeah, just... just general woodworking type stuff. Okay. You know, um... so you need joints and all that. Cause yeah. I have no idea. It's literally a voodoo. Like when I see you working and I see other luthiers working, I'm like, man, I, I just cannot wrap my head around it because, and and I guess it's just you know, ten thousand hours thing, well, right? Just doing it and doing it and yeah, doing it. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that I'm a terribly skilled woodworker okay. in that respect. Um, I am more the engineering approach. Got it, okay. <clears throat> so for me, um, you know, there are machines, you know, now today we use CNC machines for yes. most of the shaping. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, not practicable for somebody sitting there with a spoke shave, you know, carving necks out. I mean, yeah. you know. I it suppose just, there are some guys that still do it, but, you know... Um, you're talking time-consuming. I mean, it's yeah, just I mean, labor-intensive, crazy. And it's not consistent. I mean, right. CNC is consistent well, up to the point of cutting, and then obviously you do hand finishing, but yeah. you're talking from one piece to the next piece to the next, whatever you're making, it's going to be the same. Right. You know, okay. Notwithstanding the fact that each piece of wood you have has got a little bit of a different character to of it. Of course, but, yeah. Um, yeah, but the machining part of it is is a lot more controlled. Okay. 
And so, uh, <clears throat> you know, from that standpoint, in my engineering career, of course, I, I was very versed in 3D modeling using oh, wow. 3D software and stuff. Okay. And that's really the heart of it. You know, you design everything in the, in the mm -hmm. program and you move this stuff down into huh. uh, the, you know, computer-aided manufacturing stage where now you're taking that model that you've made and you're putting it into the program where you're actually are picking tool bits and changing wow. tool paths and so forth. And so, it tells you the machine, the program will tell you what bit, what to use, well, when it's cutting. kind of, you do that of. part. You okay. look at it and you say, okay, this, this uh, bit will be appropriate. Now what the machine <clears throat> does is it takes that bit information mm -hmm. and then it plots the tool paths, which then get downloaded into the actual okay. CNC machine. So it's like a two-step process. Got it. You go from the, the 3D design mm -hmm. into the CAM system to then arrange what bits you're going to use and what routines you're going to use, and then you download that into the actual CNC machine. Huh. Got it. Okay, the and the huge thing about your bases are they are non-traditional in the sense of it's not a traditional truss rod. It's not. I mean, it's a traditional truss rod, but the whole idea behind it is so it's it's so different. It's yeah, very well, different. So how did you? Well, there was a couple of things. One of them okay. is that you know when I I looked at you know the truss system on most bases, and mm -hmm. this is where the engineer part of me kind of kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> Solving um, problem solving, yeah, right? problem yeah, solving. you know, and and you know, I mean, a lot of people probably don't <coughs> think this is that big a deal, but mm -hmm. for me, it was something that I thought there was a, a room for improvement. Well, and you're from back east, where okay, we're in Southern California, right? Weather's it's pretty consistent. I mean, it's not going to go from zero to ninety or whatever. Yeah. I mean, do you think that that contributed to kind of like well, yeah probably from my right. experience level being in those environments where you have big humidity swings and you have and, temperature changes and and you're adjusting <clears throat> truss rods all the time back there. i mean yeah. is that one of those things a lot of players back well, there think, are really yeah i think it does okay. happen you know you're you're playing around with the truss rod and of course it depends on the particular base yeah. and the other thing is to get a thinner neck mm -hmm. that's where the truss rod sensitivity really comes into play because from front um, to back the, the, the profile. The profile of okay. the neck, yeah, because the, if you think about it, you've mm -hmm. got a thinner beam, mm -hmm. which is going to flex more on the stress. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now using a conventional truss rod becomes problematic. The neck becomes a little less stable because... The longer it is, the less Well, stable? it's longer right, and longer. thinner. I mean, okay. if you think about a really thin strip of wood, mm -hmm. you can whip that thing back and forth like crazy, right? Well, okay. You know, huh. the reason why a lot of these necks are as fat as they are is to stabilize them so that they don't deflect as much under stress. Got it. Uh, your strings are pulling with, you know, what, 40, 50 pounds of uh, force. ample force, right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's substantial well, four for or five sure. strings, you have a couple hundred pounds of <laughs> exactly, force pulling yeah. on that neck, hmm. and it's off-center, so it's wanting to bow the neck over. Okay. So conventional truss rods, you know, generally the rod runs down the back of the neck, mm -hmm. you know, inside the neck, and you're tightening against the wood. And the problem with that, of course, is that You've got the wood under tension, mm -hmm. and there the variation in the wood. You know, with humidity, the wood will swell or contract depending on the the like anything. The moisture yeah. content. My of front wood. door. My front door does that every once in a while. It's like and if, and so. If, if you think about it, you've got a truss rod with mm -hmm. a ten thirty two thread. A quarter of a turn is fifteen thousandths of an inch. Hmm. And if you think about truss rod adjustments, sometimes that's all it takes to get it in or out is a quarter of a turn. Exactly. Very sensitive. Or less. I right. mean, it's. Little, yeah. little tiny bits, yeah. right? Okay. So it's very sensitive to mm -hmm. those changes because you've got this thing under compression. So there's no room for anything to give. Okay. And when those changes occur, it can throw the amount of force of the truss rod um, off. So the concept there was, well, how do you get rid of that? 
-hmm. And obviously, well, you could try and put, you know, like a, just a spring in there to, to try and absorb some of that change, but that would be one heck of a honking spring because you probably need somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand pounds of force on that truss yeah. rod to okay. counteract the string tension just because mm -hmm. of where it's located. So uh, what I came up with was this concept where the rod, first off, it anchors way up by the tuning machine. Okay. Runs down the back of the neck where a normal truss rod would run. And then at the heel of the neck, uh, I introduced this lever mechanism that hinges just underneath the fingerboard. And the truss connects to that lever, and then that lever extends down, and another connecting rod goes underneath where the pickups are. And okay. connects to, essentially, which is a swing arm that the strings mm -hmm. feed through. So if you can imagine this, the strings force of the strings is now redirected against that connecting rod underneath. Mm. That force is then amplified by that lever arm back up the neck to where the anchor is. So you have a closed loop system. Interesting. And so what happens is the string mm. tension actually generates its own counter tension and they always stay in balance because mm. it's one total loop. So the wood in the neck is completely out of the picture. So yeah. you're not compressing the wood anymore and you're really relying on the okay. tension of the strings to balance mm. the neck out. And that allowed me to get a much thinner profile on the neck, which I feel is more comfortable. Yeah, it's, a lot of people played it. And no, it's a, it's the first thing you feel that neck is comfortable. And you do kind of the opposite asymmetrical that everybody's used forever. Yeah. Michael Tobias, I mean, I remember yeah. having one of his bases and you know numerous other luthiers where they have more meat and it's thicker on the bottom end, but it's thinner on the treble side, on the G yeah. string. You do it opposite. It's thinner on the bottom end and thicker on the high end, on the treble side. Yeah, well, and there's a reason for mm. that. Um, basically, what I looked at was the human hand. How does the, how does, what's the contour that feels comfortable in your hand? And, and what I realized was that having a sharp transition mm -hmm. at the part where the neck rests in your hand and you're reaching around is kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay. And so having that radius there that allows your hand, to, to the neck to nest mm -hmm. in your hand, is far more comfortable. The top end, really, I mean, it's it's about your thumb. I mean, some guys reach all the way around with yeah, their thumb. Yeah, it depends out, on you know, technique and stuff. And technique, yeah, everybody's but different. For the most yeah. part, most people's thumb is riding along above the top center of the neck, and you really want a, mm -hmm. a you know, more shallow radius up on that part. So I spent a lot of time. Wow. I probably went through 20 different necks before okay. I got it to a point where I said, boy, this, you know, this feels good. No, it's it's... I think when I first picked it up, I was like, man, this neck, and a yeah. lot of people I put in their hands, I mean, the neck is the first thing, and you don't know, it's not drastic. No. Once you start, you have to really, really kind of look and go, whoa, wait, this is, wow, you know, it's, it, it, and it's not a, um, yeah, it's not a, and all of a sudden, it's kind of like, man, this is comfortable. I don't know why, but this is just comfortable, and it just yeah. works, so it's, it's. Yeah, it's different, you know, but of yeah. course that's, you know, that, that's one of the things that, you know, I wanted to do, something yeah. different. You know? That's the engineering yeah. side of you. Exactly. Like, yeah. Literally for me, it's, does it feel good or doesn't, does it sound good or does you know, and then going into the, the stuff, so that's... Yeah, so that was all, that was that's all part awesome. of that. Okay, um, let's talk about the body. It is yeah. a chambered, kind of a clamshell-ish, yes. so part of that. Well, well that. weight was the big thing. As I the said weight. before, you know, I had this Euro 5, <laughs> 11, was 11, 11 pound. And pound monster, <coughs> and, um, you know... As we're all getting in, up in years, uh, our back the shoulders. Are, I know, man. It's, you know, I used to. I, I still like heavy bases, but sometimes, man, I'm like, oh, okay, a little lighter. So is... I, I decided that I was gonna. I was gonna be very uh, parochial about this and build one that I would want to play for hours. You know? Yeah. And so, part of that was the weight. How to get the weight down, and uh, so I spent a lot of time 
you know, looking at how do you reduce the weight? Okay. You know, coming from my engineering career, I went through a lot of aerospace stuff. And, wow. you know, in that world, every mm-hmm. weight is everything. Because, you know, this stuff is getting lifted up in the air and it's flying. Well, you, and, <clears throat> you know, but weight and strength. I mean, that's yeah. the, at the sure. same yeah. time, right? Because Oh, yeah, you got to maintain the structure. But yeah. You, you, so you look for places where you can remove weight that doesn't compromise the structure. Got it. And it feels hardy. I mean, when you play it, it, it doesn't feel... If it's light, like seven and a half pounds ish, I'm just saying ish. That's four, yeah. and, f- or four, four and five strings somewhere the, around there. The four string is seven and a half. The five string is seven point eight. I mean, yeah. for me, that is super lightweight because I play basses that are heavier. Right. But you pick it up, and I've picked up lighter basses that you just feel it's not substantial. Mm-hmm. The basses feel substantial, so I think that I just kind of had an idea. Obviously, your your background, you have to keep the weight, but you have to keep the strength, and I think yeah. that's where yeah. it. You, yeah. you compromise excellently, or no compromise, basically. it's it, The bass feels substantial. It's a real bass. It's not a toy. So Yeah, yeah. it's just easier is, on your back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the other thing, too, is that the balance was an important thing, the center of gravity, getting it to balance okay. properly. Balance and, you is know, nice. You know, yeah, yeah, there's no neck dive. You know, you don't have the problem of, uh, you know, uh, well, that's, fighting the bass. It yeah, well, sits it, where you, it's lightweight on all around. It yeah. doesn't have a neck heavy. It doesn't, you know, it's not, yeah. it's very balanced. <laughs> on yeah. both sides because either you'll get okay compromised weight of the body then you have a neck or compromise that and you know it's tilting it it sits comfortably yeah they're so that you know and and that was done with mm. you know a, a lot of thought in terms of selection <laughs> of hardware and so yeah. forth you know how many bodies did you go through just um, or... that wasn't that was probably two or three. Oh, that was an easier so yeah that, that was just a, that's a calculation huh. see i can do that in software in the oh, wow. 3d modeling okay you can get the density of huh. what the piece you've created so you can do a lot more in terms of an, an analytics up front to understand where that's all going to be interesting so, so the bodies were that were far easier to design than the next well, the neck is a little oh. more subjective in terms of how it Got feels. Got it, okay. You can sit there and model it all day long, yeah. but you've got to cut them and yeah. feel them to see how does this really feel in okay. the hand. So that was more an empirical process. I see. Whereas weight is an analytical yeah. thing. You know, yeah. How to balance it, where the center of gravity is, Got where it. to take material out, huh. um, you know, what the weight is going to be of you know, the tuning machines, let's say, all yeah. the way out in the end of that beam. That's a big True. deal. And you use the HipShot Ultralights. Hip ultralights, ultralights. Yeah. they're great. Yeah. And HipShot hardware, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, Hipshot bridge also. Yeah. Now, the middle, obviously the the body is clamshelled, it's chambered, but yeah. you have to compensate for the the truss rods and the force balance yeah. adjustment. It's routed in the middle also. There's yeah. It's actually a through neck design. It's a through neck so, design. So you can actually string the whole neck up outside the body. So that's okay. So yeah. So the neck literally goes from top of the headstock. headstock. All the, all the way, way down, to the bridge. All the way to the bridge. So right. it's one whole, right. like, boom. Okay. And what's different about that is it's not a set neck. It's not glued into the body. It drops in from the top and bolts and is, down yeah. into the body. So you can actually remove the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow. So you can actually remove the neck and have it all strung up and it's all one piece. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the reality. Yeah. <laughs> like a Steinberger. Right. The reality <clears throat> is, is that you really do, you know, when you're mm-hmm. inserting the neck because of the way it drops in, you have, you know, you take a couple of the. The bridge has to come off to get it in. Got it, yeah. But the point is, you could literally take it out and string it up and, and have yeah. it as a, its own okay. standalone body. So it is a <clears throat> neck, a through neck, neck design. design. Okay. Right. That's a, that that's drops a, into the body. Now, one of the important point. parts about that, too, mm-hmm. is, is that um, one of the interesting uh, effects of the truss rod is because it's a closed loop system, mm-hmm. there's no wood in the path of the string's anchor points. 
So they anchor right at the tuning machine. Okay. And that runs all the way through this steel mechanism all the way back up. So you get a lot more sustain Interesting. Okay. out of the string. In other words, the string will sustain longer because hmm. it's resonating more, you know, oh. um, intensely. Okay. So, and that, that's really kind of one of the serendipitous little events, you know, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, just, just it happened. Part of the design <laughs> part of, is like, well, that's nice. You know? Nice, happy yeah. accident kind of thing. Right, exactly, like, oh. yeah. Uh, and then you adjust the neck at the bottom where the end pin. You actually remove yeah. the, the strap button, yeah, well, the bottom bow. When I first yeah. started out, okay, mm -hmm. I was going to just set the neck. And, you know, then I rapidly came to the conclusion that, well, what, what's good for me is not good for everybody. The, yeah. There isn't really one setting that's perfect for all. Some guys are <laughs> dig in a little, oh, yeah. a little more Absolutely. relief, and some guys like you know, sea yeah. level action yeah. where they just dust, you know, dust over the strings, and you know that's all they need. Yeah. And so uh, having that adjustment is an important feature. So what I uh, came up with was this force balance adjustment that mm -hmm. sits down in the back heel, back on, by the bridge in the neck. Okay. And it's a pair of compression springs that introduce a positive or negative force into that loop. Okay. And so what that does is it allows you to set how much relief you want very okay. precisely. And that's accessible. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then the next part was, you know, how do we, uh, yeah. how do we make that work? You know, and that's mm -hmm. accessible through the uh, strap button in the back. Yeah. So all you do is you eliminate, you unscrew the strap button mm -hmm. and you stick your Allen wrench in there and okay. you can adjust it. Now, the interesting part about it is it happens to be opposite of a normal truss rod. Yeah. Which is an easy thing to figure out, but it's just yeah. the opposite it's, adjustment. It's cool. Okay. Clockwise gives you more relief. Okay. Clockwise gives you less. You know. Got it. Got so it. So if you look at a, it's like a relief volume control. You know, yeah, yeah. Turn exactly. it to the right, and more, you get more. If you get less. That's kind of a good way to look at it. And it has a yeah. zero fret. Has a zero fret. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I rapidly came to the conclusion that a zero fret's really the way to go. It's, it's nice. It gives consistency. I like them. It's, I really do. way I more mean, consistent I, playing down on the lower yeah. end of the neck. And it just um, gives you that nice ringy sound, yeah. open, the open string sound. Yeah. I, I, I like zero frets. I don't think yeah. I have a bass that has one, but I, or maybe I do. But I like it. Or I have an old Ken Smith that has a brass nut. Yeah. That kind of the, kind of the same thing. But, right. but with your zero fret, you can literally adjust the, the neck without, you know, how you usually like fret. Once exactly. You, yeah, you can yeah, actually yeah. look. Well, at that's the, one of the nice. You know, aside from all the other features of a uh, zero fret, one of the nice things about it is, <clears throat> if you just depress up on the twenty fifth fret mm -hmm. of the string, you can measure how much deflection you have or how much relief you have. You know, at around the eighth fret in this case, <clears throat> and that wow. when you're adjusting it, it mm -hmm. just makes it real simple yeah, to sit there easy. and set it where you like it, and you know you can kind of calibrate it. Huh. You want to be really precise, you could pull out a little micro ruler and, yeah. you know, check and, it out. And it's adjusted with a, just like a T-handle Allen wrench, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and body woods that you use and neck woods, is all maple right it's, now? Everything's maple. maple. Okay. I, I really went with domestic uh, okay. woods. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they're farmed woods now. You know, maple yeah. is, is, you know, domestically grown and farmed. Mm -hmm. And so it's a sustainable resource. And yeah. you don't have the cool. problem of cutting down the rainforest. You know? That's good. And yeah. you do everything. Yeah. You make them. I do. Yeah. You have wood shop. You've got all the stuff. Yeah. We make them right Man here made. in our shop in, in California. Yeah. Um, we don't. Uh, the only thing we outsource is the paint on the body mm -hmm. because that's something that, um, you know, is just. <laughs> what do you mean? You don't want a paint booth? You don't no, want one of those? You know, Come on. No, yeah, <laughs> dealing, you know, we're in Southern California. There's a lot of environmental concerns. And yeah. You really have to, you know, be well set up to do that. And okay. it's just a lot easier to go 
outsource that part of it, and I have a guy that does great work, and awesome. you know, so yeah. So everything, uh, yeah. So everything is kind of it's all done all, here locally. Though. So, um, pickups. What are you What are you using pickup wise? Uh, pickups. Um, interestingly enough, I I'm using the lace alumitones. Okay. I'm doing it for two reasons. One is I personally love the sound of them. Got it. Uh, they cut through. They do have a lot more aggressive mids in them. Mm -hmm. um, and I find when I'm playing with the band and the band strikes up, yeah. that I don't get lost in the. Mix, yeah, that, that is know. definitely an, an inherent quality of those pickups. Because I yeah. play the basses, I've done some stuff, and they, they definitely have a more forward, mid-forward type of thing. They Yeah, yeah. and so, there's recordings and stuff, people will, yeah. Yeah, so I, I use those. I like them for that reason, and cool. also they're very lightweight, you know, yeah. so it's part of the weight reduction. Um, <clears throat> they're pretty hot in terms mm -hmm. of the output. Yeah. Um, so I just use them as a passive system. That's my preference, but cool. that's a personal preference. I like you know. passive. Passive's nice. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a real clean, clear sound. Um, and also, you know, the one thing I, you know, my Euro 5 has got an active system. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the amount of times when I'd be in the middle of a set and all of a sudden it starts fuzzing out because the battery's going oh, dead, man. you know. Yeah. And you're going for that quick battery change. And it's Doesn't like, have a bypass? No bypass. No, on that, that one, one didn't oh. have a bypass. Yeah. So. Well, pa you know the the thing too with passive. I mean, actually, you can do it. Whatever, but I feel like I can just get more of my personality in the playing. It, they're very. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I I just like that, and I can play very dynamically and kind of put my personality in it. Which the and, lace and sensors sound are, is such a personal. It's subjective. It's so subjective. subjective. Thing. Yeah. Whatever I like is not. You know, yeah. somebody else may not like. You know, um, and it is very subjective. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously we can set them up with whatever system mm -hmm. people want, but, you know, yeah. um, we just ship them stock. No, with, uh, with they the sound good, and it's, you know. way, you know, weight-wise, yeah. it's light. Uh, scale length is... Uh, scale length is, um, it's 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 34.65. Okay. So it's a little shy of the 35 length. And the reason for that is um, I wanted to maintain a standard long-scale string. Okay. I didn't want to wind up with a non-standard string length um, because that would be, you know, problematic. Mm -hmm. Everybody again likes what strings they like, and yeah, you know, we ship them with the GSS uh, pressure rounds. Okay, I happen to like those. Cool, and those are the kind of half round, right? It's uh, it's a semi. It's really the way they do that, mm -hmm. from my understanding, um, is that the uh, outer winding when it's put on they mm -hmm. actually coin it over, so huh. it's going through like a roller. Oh wow, well. flatten it. Flattens it, it makes it like oval shape. Okay. Okay. So what ends up happening is they feel smoother on your hand. Mm -hmm. You don't get as much bite on yeah. your hand as you. And they're still they're not as bright as like a steel string, but but no. they still have life. I, I mean, I've got I've a played. lot of life. Yeah. The, the, uh, that's the part I like. There was a nice compromise. Okay. You know, I had used half rounds. Um, yeah. For a long time, the only thing I found with the half rounds is mm -hmm. it took a long time for them to really break in. Yeah. Like the surface felt. A little almost like emery paper, exactly. You know? And yeah. these were nice right from the beginning. Yeah. Right out of the box, they felt great, and so I've kind of gotten used to them. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, they're I like they're cool. I like them. And then the thirty-four point six five inch scale, you wanted to get something a little longer through, kind of. You, well, you the problem that... was is that with the counter tensioning system, mm -hmm. I need a little extra string length to get through the the string bar. Got it. Okay. okay. So there's the hip shot bridge. bridge. Got it. And the string bar sits behind the bridge, so I need a little bit more length. Okay. But, you know, super long scale, we're way too long. Yeah. And then if I went to a full 35-inch scale, mm -hmm. then the, the, the uh, you know, regular long scale would have been just a little bit too short. So this was like a compromise. But it actually winds up being, you know, it's, it's yeah. very... It's, Oh, it's a small difference between yeah. the 35 I mean, I've been, scale. you know, I have a couple of them yeah. do reviews on it, and, you know, it doesn't 
freak me out. It's yeah. just like, oh, cool, yeah. And I have some 35-inch scale, and even that doesn't really, you know, I don't know, just get accustomed to it. If, if the bass is comfortable, I think it's comfortable, regardless yeah. of 34 or 35. It's like, oh, okay, it plays great, sounds great, yeah, tastes great. <laughs> yeah. No, but there, the, yeah, it's a, it's a very, um, it, it's nice to see something totally non-conventional but works, but something that you're not used to because it, you know it's a it's a P and a J bass world kind oh, yeah. of, yeah. and it's nice to see. And even the body design is so different. It's cool. Like, what was? How did you come well, up with the body design? I, I intentionally didn't look at anything. Okay. When I did it, uh, you know, part <laughs> nice. of that was I didn't want to get overly influenced. Mm -hmm. um, and there were some basic, you know, elements in that that are really came from, you know, a lot of different places but when I really sat down and designed it you know mm -hmm. I had certain coordinates yeah on you know different bases that I had and, and you know you know where where's the top horn got to mm -hmm. end up for the strap yeah. to be in the right place yeah and, and it actually the, the top horn ends up not on the 12th fret it's about it's 15th yeah. or 17th or so and usually that is weird for me yeah because I'm used to having that horn there and then I have this much you know meat right. on the neck it's comfortable it doesn't it's it's not one of those things where it's a it's not a deal breaker, right? So it's comfortable. So you yeah, <laughs> and that's one of the things I notice sometimes when I'm playing, just because I am, you know, PJ guy, you know, very right. traditional. But it was it's still comfortable. Yeah, it was comfortable. Yeah. Well, you know, in any base you pick up, mm -hmm. there's always going to be a little bit of if it's different than the one you're used to. Of course, playing, of course, you feel yeah. it right away. And yeah. It's like okay, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really set it up to be, for the ergonomics of it, for yeah. comfort in playing. You okay. know? Um, and so the body was really a matter of, okay, how do I make this thing, you know, <laughs> um, a, a comfortable fit? Because, you know, one of the things is, how does it feel when you're sitting there with the thing on your lap? Yeah. Does it nest well on the lap? Mm -hmm. You know, is, is your arm feel comfortable, leaning, you know, reaching over the yeah. body? Um, so all of that was really just, you know, looking at all of those features and coming up with something that, you know, aesthetically was kind of classic looking, you know, yeah. I really wanted to have a, you know, matter of fact, we call them the our ultra classic series, huh. our okay. ultra light classic ultra series. Light classic series. Yeah. And so, uh, that's, you know, that's where that came from. And, um, that's kind of what I decided to do as the, as the, you know, the original cool opening, um, if you will, you know, and, uh, well, you know, we may come up with some different designs later, but, yeah. um, you know, one of the things that we developed was, you know, part of this was, well, did something fun. You yeah. Know, we didn't want to have the state old, you know, stained wood. And, yeah. You know, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, but, you know, we wanted to do something a little different. And so uh, we went with the, you know, solid color bodies. Mm -hmm. um, and then the pick guard is kind of the interesting thing. I came up with this idea for making our pick guards out of this lamination process. Okay. And using, uh, you know, epoxy as a casting material. And um, it, became apparent that one of the ways we could do some designs mm -hmm. was actually use a textile base. So an actual and fabric. So it's actual fabric actual embedded fabric. in this epoxy. And what huh. it did is it opens up the whole world. You know, my wow. wife does all the design work. So it opens up the whole world of fabrics to, yeah. for different designs and mixing that with colors and come up with some, you know, really fun, it, different I mean, it's, know, it's designs. Original, totally, yeah. completely original, which, and functional, which yeah. is, it's very cool. It's very cool. It's a, you know, it's uh, it's it's very refreshing to see. It's nice. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's and, and the plan was to be different for sure. Yeah. You know. Because, oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, um, 
there's there's plenty of people out there doing you know P bass and J bass yeah. you know redesigns and yeah. doing them well doing, doing them great killer. And I said like I I yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna yeah. just go out there and do the same thing everybody else is doing I got to do something a little bit different yeah that's know? cool nice and so that was the motivation behind that um, and then the um, the other thing just because I'm te- you know, technical stuff the uh, it's a 25 fret fingerboard yeah 25 fret fingerboard right. okay. Very cool. And that was just an aesthetic or just Yeah, a... it was a little bit of aesthetics. Okay. Um, when I shifted to the 34.65 inch scale, mm-hmm. um, there, it, it, there became, you know, because most of the design work, you know, had been laid out, it, there was a little bit of a compromise there between having a lot of neck hanging off the end without a fret. Okay. Versus putting the extra fret <clears throat> in. Putting it in there. And I figured, oh, why not? I'll it looks good. Him, I'll give him a bonus fret. It looks good. Um, you know, yeah. it doesn't, and it doesn't get in the way of slapping and popping. I mean, it's, you still have enough room yeah. there. And I think you made a good point too. And we were talking earlier that, uh, you know, guys are playing up there, but I don't know, they don't play up there that often. And if they want to, you know, tapping guys, they can tap. Yeah. So yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the guys that are hammering. I, I, I've hammering watched a lot of guys play. Yeah. Most people are not really playing, you know, scales all the way up to the 25th yeah. fret on your yeah. G string. But what I do notice them doing is a lot of tapping. Yeah. And so, so they, they can get that access. They, yeah, they've got the tapping platform to do that up there, you know. So very cool. And you know, my feeling on it is sort of like, um, well, you know, maybe, you know, a guy who's really playing a lot up there is probably playing a six string or a seven mm-hmm. string. And yeah. He's doing a lot more jazz work, you know. Uh, it's good old rock and roller like me is probably not going to spend a lot of time up in the Oh, me neither. I just, yeah, world, I'm, I, uh, I like <clears throat> notes below the fifth fret. <laughs> a lot of nice fundamental and deep yeah. and pocket, you know, so, um, well, cool. What, uh, what's the website? Give us, a, give us uh, the website. www.tensorbase, T-E-N-S-O-R-B-A-S-S.com. Tensorbase.com. And, uh, what, um, any, any stores that you're in now? I know you're in talks with, uh, you know. Yeah, we're working on a couple of stores. We'll, cool. We'll be able to announce soon. You know yeah. where it's going to be available in stores. Awesome. Um, but you can contact. I mean, again, go to the website. You can go to the and website contact. and contact us directly. Cool. And Facebook. Can, I mean, yeah. just do. Yeah. And I know that you're super accessible, and you talk to. You know, I mean, it's it's not like you're the mystery. No. You know. No. Yeah. People yeah. are. Yeah. You're very accessible. And uh, man, I thank you so much for taking time. And please, please check out Tensor Base or Tensor. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Tensorbase.com. That's it. Uh, Check it out. Tom Lanny. I so appreciate him taking time and uh, giving us a little history. And uh, um, yeah, check out. There's some videos out there. There's going to be sound bites. I'll put some links. And uh, they're they're great bases. And they're super unique and functional, which is, it's just very rad. So thanks again, Tom. Really appreciate you taking the time. Well, thank you, Steve. Take care. guys steve arajo and doug keppen from the bass hang and we are bringing you the bass geeks podcast Woo-hoo. yeah so we are i don't know we were just talking the other day and talking about the podcast and oh, what can we talk about and flat wound strings came up and that's been <laughs> a topic of discussion yeah. for a, a while i i'm not a flat wound guy for for regular for for i'm just not I, you try to be sometimes. I attempt to be, and I think I'm attempting to be 
again. Uh-huh. I'm attempting. I'm giving it a, my best shot. Let me. Uh, I'm giving it a shot. I do like them, but they're so so. When we're talking about it, we also, you know, flat wounds seem to me that they are the most simple. That just flat wounds. It's like a no-brainer. But literally, every manufacturer and every set is different. I mean, vastly different. You're very much yeah. So your experience with flat wounds, you like them. I do like them. I don't, you know, I don't play them exclusively. Okay. Uh, but I, but I like them because they, you know, there's such a huge change in tone and presence of the bass. Okay. You know, for certain music, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, round, you know, stainless steel round ones are just so different. That's it's just a completely different sound, and you don't want to play that. That's I, my bread and butter, man. Stainless right. steel round wounds are just like that's where I live. Yeah, that's I just the feel, the way they feel. I like that roughness. Mm-hmm. I like them to feel a little bit non. I don't know, just rough. Yeah, that coarse. Yeah, feel. So I understand. I don't know. It's it's just different though, mm-hmm. you know. And everybody has preferences about that kind of thing in terms of what they want to hear and how the string feels. And, okay. And, you know, round ones tend to be stiffer, so okay. you can fight them a little bit more. But, again, it just depends what you associate good things with. Yeah, and and when you're talking about the differences, I mean, round wounds couldn't be more, or, sorry, sorry, flat wounds couldn't be more different. There's some that are brighter, there's some that are more dead sounding, there's more, some that are smoother feeling. I mean, there's, it's a huge difference, which is crazy. I mean, it's awesome. That's where I'm kind of intrigued. I want to try... I want to hear them. I want to try them. I want to play more yeah. flat ones. Yeah, there's the flat ones that are tend to be very, very popular. The labellas, you mm-hmm. know, they're they're standard. They're long, uh, you know, they have a long history with bass players. But then you get like, uh, mm-hmm. go you ahead. Get like GHS has bright flats. They're they're not new. They've been around a while, but they're newer. And uh, you know, and then Ernie Balls come out with with their cobalt. Slinky flats, which are really bright. Joy Aquinto loves those strings. He loves those strings okay. because you get, you do get the sort of punchy round flatness, but you can slap those things mm. and they sound like they sound almost like round ones. I mean, they're they're very, they can be very bright. So you have a with your tone knob, you know, or treble, you have a, you have a lot of range of of uh, sounds coming out of those strings. Got it. And those are the, the, those are the Ernie Ball. Yeah, Slinkies. Slinkies. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you, so currently in my stash, I only have a couple of bases that have flat. Well, I have the old 78 Mustang yep. that has the DR flats. Yeah. The legends. The legends. The DR legends, which are, and we'll play these, but to me, those are probably the most dead sounding out of all of them. I mean, would, the, would you agree with that? Yeah. You know, it used to be that guys, um, you know, they didn't change their flat wound strings. They just put them on and left them on. Yeah. And the older and grittier and nastier sound they got, the better. You know, that was kind of the sound you wanted. And so, you know, if you had a, a set of 30 or 40 year old labellas on your on your bass, that was the hippest thing. Uh, well, these legends come out of the box pretty much sounding like that. Here, you know what? I'm just going to. Yeah, play it. Let's just play it. Let's play the old. So this 1978. Mustang, or sorry, Music Master yep. bass was your bass. It was my bass. It's in the in the bass hang family. Yeah. So it and these bases. Well, from, Howard wanted a new pickup for us. Yeah. Howard so, exactly. So I was going to say these bases originally came with a guitar pickup. Yeah. That's what they like were a Strat because pickup. because they were the cheaper model of the Mustang. 
right? Yeah, or I, something, I guess so. yeah. something like that. Literally, it's the heaviest base. I mean, the base probably weighs thirteen pounds. It's a piece of ash, um, but it, it's such a great base. Howard Elliott of Elliott Pickups, mm-hmm. Elliott Instruments, rewound the pickup. He put like a little P bass pickup basically in here, and it's a short scale bass, thirty-two inch scale. Thirty. 30, 30 inch scale, so it's super short. And this has the DR Legends. So so these are the Legends with, um, again, the control is just a volume and a tone. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And literally. I mean, they are. Yeah, you're not going to slap that. You can't. So dead sounding. Yeah. They just and and that's out of the box. I mean, literally, take them out of the box, put it on. They are just. I mean, they almost sound like I have a mute. Right. To me, that's oh, John, right there. You know, it's Jamerson. It's Jamerson with that, and I'm not muting. I'm right. not doing. I don't need to. Don't it almost sounds to. the same. It yeah. almost sounds the same. Palm muting uh-huh. and and actually playing. So, and I know you've played them too. Do you have a set of? I don't have have a set of those. Okay, but I played that bass, you know, several times with them. They're they're also a really comfortable string to play. They you know they feel good. They have the dr tension lower tension. They have that feeling. They're not tight. They're very. You're not fighting that string. No. I need to play this bass more. Yeah. I like this bass. I don't play it enough. But I've lo- I have it has been out on loan mm-hmm. to a few people that have used it on recordings. Yeah. And and it's it's actually a really nice kind of studio thuddy bass. And if I cut out the tone, <laughs> I mean it's just it's woolly. Yeah, it's just it's it's pretty woolly. It's pretty funny, man. So the yeah. DRs, um, yeah, I like them and they feel good. But you know they. Feel wise, they they feel they feel old. They feel old. They don't feel slick. They don't feel ultra slick to me. I don't know. I mean, to me, they they have a they have kind of a little bit like I'm fighting. I, I fight a little bit. They're, really? Yeah. They're they're, they're tacky. And, and they're not, tactile. They're feel? a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. They're slightly tacky to me. Hmm. They're not as is. they're not as smooth and quick feeling. You know, here I can hold. I can hold the bass. They're not as smooth and quick feeling, so I want you to play. So that was me playing, and now Doug has the Mustang or the Music Master. I'm sorry. They kind of have a a little tack. I mean, to me, it just felt like it. I don't know. Then again, I could be wrong because is that the tone all the way up, tone and volume? Yes. Yeah. All the way up. <laughs> it fools me because it's so thuddy sounding. saying that it's you feel it it's different from uh from the round wound sort of feel that 
sticks to your finger. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's a little resistance absolutely. there. Yeah. But since it's so smooth, I don't know. I, I guess I never really thought about it because it's so comfortable. Yeah, it's comfy. I, I think I'm just being, you know, for the yeah. podcast and for the uh, the listeners, I'm just being very hypercritical. <laughs> sure. Well, if like someone's really... going to go out and pick, pick up a yeah. set, um, they want to have sort of an accurate... I really like them. I sent a set to Uriah Duffy and he really liked them. I had a set of lo- uh, regular long scale, and he was looking for some flats, and um, and he was pretty happy with them. Thing sounds great, man. I mean, that bass, like you said, it's Motown. There's, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. pretty cool. It's a pretty cool bass. All right, so those are the DR Legends. So here, we'll just give you back that. All right. So, what do you have? You have this is a this is my Fender Americans uh, jazz bass. This is, I believe, from the year two thousand. Yeah, the year two thousand. It's um, through body stringing only. And I think the two thousands were one of those only years where they they didn't have the option to go through the bridge. It was through body yeah. only. I had one, and you have two of these. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think they're great sounding bases. <laughs> Amazing bases. I, I don't know why. I'm, I don't think it has anything to do with the string through the body yeah, thing. Just a good They're bass. Just, uh, the, uh, and somebody, I said that uh, I had these basses to somebody and how good it sounded. And they said, oh, yeah, that was when Fender realized that they uh, <laughs> they needed to make good basses and, and whatever they were doing, you know, getting good wood and production. Yeah. Um, but they, they were. They're all, all those basses were yeah. really good. I just happened to, by accident, uh, I wanted a fretless and I at the time and I went searching and I bought a used one and it turned out to be made the exact same year as my fretted so wow it was just kind of a weird coincidence and no wonder I, I liked it yeah so this bass has um, this bass has labella white nylon strings on these are the white nylon this is the white nylon so man totally different animal okay um, even from the black nylon you know really uh, yeah they're brighter they're a brighter string. You have the black nylon on your Gary Willis. On my Gary Willis. Fretless. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I love them. I love yeah. them. They're, they're nice round feel. But, you know, they those strings seem to have, well, they have less resistance because I, if I remember right, the labella not, uh, nylon strings are round-wound strings. They're uh, stainless steel round-wound strings wrapped oh, in nylon. Okay. So they have a softer feel. They're not the, you know traditional mm-hmm. flat wound strings okay so they feel very familiar you know and the nylon slides off your fingers real nicely on your right hand so it's very easy yeah let's hear them let's play a little uh, so this is um everything all the way up and this is fretless in terms of brightness what do you like if we were taking and talking the drs are like thuddy. motown thuddy yeah. old school these are on the brighter side. They're on the brighter side. The white okay. nylons are brighter, definitely. But it's um. It's a little hard to compare to the because these are fretless. Because it's on a fretless, yeah. so it sounds different. But still, the sound. You, I mean, it it definitely has. This has brightness. You can hear. You can hear the brightness. You can hear the spankiness. Where. On the DRs, you can't even get that. You can't get you, that. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, and there's plenty of brightness on this, even on a fretless. So. Yeah. 
So, huh. but if you want to go all bridge pickup, yeah. then you know. Just so you guys know, um, Doug is playing through a form factor 1B12L that's a form factor 112 Neo cabinet with a super old Mark Base Little Mark II, one of the early, early models. I think they were still an Italian thing. And then I'm usually playing through, I have a, a Jewel amp, 700, M700 power amp. Um, I'm using a little MXR bass preamp as my pre and then an Aguilar GS112. So those are the two amps that you'll hear. So anyways, I just, not to interrupt, I just wanted the listener no, to know. Yeah. So yeah, so you're playing through. So anything else about the uh, LaBelle? And so those are the white nylon? White nylon. Okay. They're, they're a little brighter, uh, soft touch, very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think they, you know, the nice thing about nylon strings on a fretless, you're not going to tear up your fretboard. And yeah. I, I like them. I, like I say, I think you get plenty, plenty of moi yeah. out of that string, you know. It still sounds very fretless. But it still has, like, you, it still has a clarity, like a round wound. It has. Yeah, I you guess know? so, sure. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a nice... An interesting option in the mm -hmm. in the flat wound you know world. Okay. Yeah. And so they, these are brighter than the black nylon ones. These under are Gary little, These are a little brighter. Okay. Um, similar. Just they are. Yeah, they're brighter. They're brighter. Yeah. Huh. Let me. You wanna slap on. Yeah, I'll, I'll just feel them. Slap on that fretless. Let me just. Uh, and I'm playing through the regular amp. string but you don't like the way that black tape looks <laughs> you know just visually these look like standard strings yeah on and case. it's it's see-through and you can see the round wound string underneath yeah that's cool so you can still get that spankiness yeah it's very cool yeah They're okay a nice, a and, nice alternative and in terms of just lasting Forever. Oh yeah, well, yeah. Because what you know, what's going to happen to how much sweat can they? Yeah. Roll? And same with. How about regular, typical, um, um, flat wounds? Not the label, like the just steel ones, like the DR. How do they last? Yeah. I mean, just well, because they're thuddy, they already sound old. So <laughs> it's going to be. You know, most people want them to be a little broken in. Okay. And not. It depends what you're going for. You know, these days, you know, back in in the. 60s and 70s you, you didn't have a lot of choices yeah and so you wanted and the sounds were kind of established you know jamerson was 
kind of owned the the world of that that kind of sound. So you yeah. played the bellas and you left them on forever. I mean, True. that's just kind of how it was until you know Entwistle and Chris Squire came along with Roundwounds and and did that thing. So yeah. nowadays, though, you have you have you know black and white nylon. You have GHS bright flats. You have Roto Sound with flats that I think are pretty bright. Yeah, you've got the Labellas still. You've got DR Legend strings that sound you know old and ancient and worn in. Mm -hmm. you, you can pretty much you can have you know half you know the ground off kind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ground round, uh, ground wound. I'm not sure. Ground, the pressure wound or ground wound. That's half rounds. Yes, you know, there's yeah. so much variety now. It's just sort of really depends what you want you know if you want like well uh diodario yeah or, you know their flats what are they called i forget yeah come on i have the internet i have the internet here yeah, i can look yeah, it up I can't real quick. Like... so they're dr flat wounds no uh diodario oh diodario the diodario is that uh-huh so which ones the diodario flats just put flats in folks you are hearing Age. For the first time, <laughs> a very incredible uh, chromes. The chromes. Yeah, the chromes. Every you know the story with chromes is always is is the same. Always, they're really bright out of the box. They are. They truly are. People yeah. who really like flats usually are frustrated by that. Okay. And they either ha are patient enough to wait a couple of months of playing for them to settle down, and then they're happy with them because they want that sound. Yeah. Some people like them because they're bright, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it all depends what your what your preference. Total is. polar opposite from the DR Legends. Yeah, totally. totally. DR Legends dead. Diodario Chromes are, are very bright. Yeah. yeah. And you know how strings are. Every uh, string sounds different on different yeah, bases. Yeah. Of course. And you yeah. gotta get the matchup. So, it just depends. It just depends cool. what you're looking for. Okay. Yeah. So you brought this over. Yep. It's my Hoffner club base. Hoffner club base. Okay. Cool. And that has Tomastic Infeld. Jazz flats. All right, um, and I'm playing it, Steve, and I'm going through the little uh, uh, MXR Pre, Jewel M700, and the Aguilar. So, um, okay, sorry, one more time. And I'll have you plug that one in while we're talking. Well, then, yeah. So, um, yeah, so let me just play these. Basically, I have the volume all the way up and tone all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a few switches. Just leave them like that. Yeah. I like these. Yeah. Uh, they're very popular. They're extremely light. I forget what the gauge is on those. Uh, I didn't bring the package. Huh. They're very light strings. They're very popular strings because uh, they're they're actually very light gauge. Huh. And they're balanced and they uh, they play really easily and they sound great. Uh, you know, and the, the club bass is a 30 inch scale, so short scale. Um, what they, was I gonna say about that? The crazy thing, so the 30 inch scale, so is the, the, the Music Master, yeah. but it's so funny, they couldn't be more different. Very I mean, different. just string wise for sure, man. Yeah. The legends, these are kind of in the middle of the 
the flat ones we were just playing on your jazz uh-huh. bass, the tape ones yeah. and the DR. So they're not, you know, necessarily crazy bright, but they have they have a little bit of a brightness to them. Little, I mean, not. I, I like it because I think they're very articulate strings. Yeah, and you're gonna hear all the notes, um, but it's never gonna be. It's never gonna be super bright. It's never yeah. gonna be as bright as those white nylons. Not ever. But you know, you know, that's not what I would want on this bass. I want something that sounds a little fat, round, warm. Uh, I like playing jazz on that bass. Uh, it's very pleasing. It's just a fun bass. You know, it's hollow body. It weighs like four and a half pounds. That's an Indonesian hopper, really? and the action is really low, and it plays great. It, I'm super, super happy with that bass. How much are they? Uh, they're like, about 400 bucks. That's not that, I mean, something like that. It's actually I good. I know. I mean, I'm playing it, it's. I mean, super comfortable. Yeah. It is. 22 frets, good amount of range. You can get all the way up there. Wow. Yeah, Tomastic Infelds are mm. probably the most expensive. Really? You can buy. I mean, I think I got those on, you know, sort of a holiday discount, 10 or 25% off or something, and it was still like 70 bucks. Wow. For a four string set of short scale. Wow. They're really, they're really expensive, but again, you don't change them. They last forever. Yeah. yeah they last you a literally long time. don't. So it's not like round ones where you play a few gigs and you change them because yeah. they've lost their tone. Depending on them. the makeup of your fingers. Depending on the if you're our, even, if you if you're our buddy Chris Book, yeah. He just murders strings and will yeah. rust your bridge out. So don't let him <laughs> Yeah. I know guys like that. I yeah. I know guitar players like that. Oh, they have man. to change after every gig. Uh, I was lucky when I was gigging a lot, I could play I mean I'm talking five nights a week. Yeah. Um, I could play about six months. Okay. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm like you. I mean yeah. I've I've left strings on for months yeah they i know still it, sound bright there comes a point at which you start thinking i don't what's wrong with this bass yeah. i used to like this bass Something's i hate what's, this is bad and then, and then you finally change the strings and hey i love this bass it has life it has life so i like this here i, I want you to play it for a little bit there you go these little short scales are really comfortable they're really fun i'm looking at the ibanez hollow body <laughs> is that a shorter scale too i think it's so. this scale What's that? It's, it's that scale? scale? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, those have good life to them. Or they have a decent brightness to them. So sorry, I didn't bring the package. If you knew how the scale or the gauge of these, things, yeah, really light, really. Huh. So there's a Tomastic Infeld. Yeah. And they come in all gauges, all length, scale lengths, I should say, whatever scale length you're. Yeah. Standards. Yeah. I like them a lot. They okay. play, you know, again, it's kind of, you have to, I, if you read around talk bass in mm-hmm. different places, 
people end up loving these strings, but you know, you have to get over the hurdle of the light gauge, okay, you know, before you order them and the price. And once people do that, they <laughs> uh, the stories are all pretty much oh, wait, always only, the same. So the gauge is one gauge. No, it's just, no? just very, yeah, you can't get a, a a normal sort of heavy gauge on them. Okay. Even their round ones are. I think the E string is like ninety three or something oh, wow. like that. Yeah, Ooh. really. I know, but I'm telling you, you read reviews on them, and everybody says the same thing. Okay. I I didn't believe it. I didn't think I'd like them. Now it's the only string I'll cool. play. Cool. Interesting. They, okay. they feel great. They sound great. Yeah, very. It's a classy string. Huh. Sounds good. I like it. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next one, man. We're gonna have Doug play, and Doug's gonna be playing through the Mark bass and the uh, form factor. So, this bass is the Wilkins WRT PJ4, Seymour Duncan pickups. It had round ones on it just a little while ago, and Doug was kind <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Doug was kind enough to bring over some flats. So, which ones are on here? These are the Labella 760s. Okay. This is. The this is what I would call a light gauge, and then they have an extra light gauge as well. Okay. And then they have a medium gauge and a heavy gauge. So um, we were looking at the the yeah. box there. Mm -hmm. There, I think the G string is a forty three. Forty three sixty eighty two one hundred four. Yeah. So about you know forty five sixty five eighty five one hundred five. Yeah. yeah, standard thing. The standard round one. Cool. Um, so do you want to? Let's see. I'll just do P first. Yeah, just do P or whatever. Yeah, um, just play it, man. Whatever. Oh, hold on. Sorry. There you go. Huh. Now, that is a punchy bass to begin with. Sounds so bright compared to yeah. the other basses. Of course, the short scale is always going to sound a little thuddy or a little, yeah, it's little dead. Give you that yeah. heft. No, that sounds. It sounds very bright and, and it sounds throaty. That's only the P. That's only the P bass. With the tone. Where's the tone at? On... Tone is all the way up. Tone all the way up. I would okay. probably typically back it off yep. 25%. Mellows it out a little bit. Those are bright. Those but are bright strings. These are not, you know, I, I probably had these strings on my jazz bass for a couple months. Oh, okay. And then I took them off and new. tried some other strings and stuff, and I just didn't get them put back on. So they're pretty new. They're not really cool. broken in yet. Okay. So they still have a little bit. They should Part of it's the P. I mean, let's add in the jazz bass yeah. to it. Pick it. Oh, yeah. Warms it up. Yeah. But you can hear that they're, they have a substantial to them. They're, they're bright. They're a little bright. standards on it and I okay. really liked that I could warm it up but you know how it is on uh, live playing situations yeah. where sometimes you get out there you're in a room that's particularly muddy 
can't you can't fix it, right? So it's nice to have if you have really thuddy strings, you might and what you want is some tone for solos and stuff. Yeah. You might not be able to get that out of the legends necessarily. But these you can dial in I think a good range of tone. surprisingly good slapped they sound pretty uh, good on this ba on this bass they sound pretty good they do but they are they have that brightness which I think is a one quality of the bass yeah I it think is. has yeah. How they feel. They feel normal. Yeah. They feel like a 45, 65, 85, yeah. 105, which yeah, is. I agree. Everything else we've played has felt a little bit different, except for the DRs. I think the the white nylons feel lighter. They feel lighter, like a 40-ish or something like that. Yeah. The Hoffner one for sure. Yeah. You know that they feel very like thin. You know they yeah. feel. Well, they are. It's just small. Yeah, it's that light gauge. of these that they feel you know you can feel like you're gonna feel comfortable playing yeah them. no it feels interesting interesting it's interesting yeah. that some Here, people I know you know uh -huh. from some of the uh, talk based comments and stuff people some people like the heavy they just want to really fight that string yeah and they think they get more tone out of it, of you know, mm -hmm. flat wound tone. If that's what you want, then go for that. But if you're a round wound player and you're trying it's kind to kind of like me, yeah, yeah I, I like that. This is a good a good gauge to go with to feel, you know, it's familiar. Yeah, and the tone's different. Okay, that's cool. What's your what do you think of it on that? What do you think of those strings on that bass? I think you know I'm I was used to having them on on my jazz bass. Mm -hmm. The the thing I've come to know and love about P basses, after many years of not playing them is how that uh that p bass pickup is mid-rangey and it pushes things forward yeah it's very uh very expressive and i love it but it's a different sound so yeah. it sounds yeah it sounds really bright on this bass i would do. probably roll back for my liking more of the halfway uh, like tone yeah, halfway tone I, that's back. where i was yeah they do sound bright on that bass and that bass is just a, a very it's it's a pokey bass, man. Yeah. It's an aggressive sounding bass for sure. There you go, thud it out a little bit. But you still have the tone, it still speaks, you know, it still sounds. Nice and woolly. That's the cool thing. Yeah. You can get 
this range of tone out of these strings. Yeah. Like, like you were playing it, you were slapping the crap out of it. I've got it sounding, you know. Yeah. Like the DR Legends. Yeah. Kind of, you, you know. You get there, just roll back. It's it, it, very expressive, a lot of room to move on these. Interesting. Cool. All right, so I pulled this out because this, this is a tensor bass. Tensor bass, and this has the GHS pressure wound. Oh, it does. So these are, yeah, he, uh, let me just make sure. Oh, that's what he puts on them. That's what he puts on them, yeah. Mm -hmm. So they are the, I asked him the other day. Um, sorry, sorry. Yeah, GHS pressure wound strings. So they're kind of the, the half round, half round, or what, what would you call those? They're, they're just ground down a little bit. I don't, I, it's been so long since I've looked at those. They do something to take the edge off the round wound, but I would guess they're more on the round wound side of things, honestly. But they, yeah, but they feel. I think they, the idea is get the, to keep the tone without sacrifice, but give you a better feel on your fingers. Yeah, so they take a round wound and they flatten. Yeah, they flatten. however it, they do it. However they do it. So, but it. sounding they're really thuddy thuddy yeah i mean that's me is that all of, everything up? everything up yeah so volume volume tone this has the lace sensor alumitone okay pickups and the two basically kind of humbuckerish style yeah. pickups mm -hmm. um the bass is very mid forward in tone mm -hmm. um it has an just a, a natural mid-range to it but yeah. with the strings but again that mid-range really helps the instrument cut through the mix and like we were talking about the little recordings that i did this bass really cuts yeah. the mid-range yeah and these yeah i mean the flat wounds on the wilkins sound way brighter than the they do than even the ground rounds or pressure wound yeah. partly on this that's amazing it's amazing right Actually. Different animal though. I mean, True. Smaller body, different uh, construction, and the totally whole different. thing with the yeah. truss rod and everything on that base is a real unique design. And this is a very traditional More the base. Yeah. Wilkins. So here, play those. Let me know. See what you see what you think of that. So Doug's gonna play the the tensor. Yeah, it's true. They almost do have a flat wound kind of a sound. Yeah, they feel they feel way smooth. I mean, they have that smooth kind of sound, you know, or smooth feel. How are these? How new are these? Dude, they're months and probably a couple of NAMM shows are pretty old. Oh, so they're okay. They're worked in. Yeah, they probably lost some of their brightness. I think they lost some brightness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I figured I would take this out just because, just something a little different, you know. Yeah, the bass is very, it's, it's pokey, pokes, mid range. Which are your which are your go-to right now? I know, you, and you have 
like three or four bases that have flat lounge. But what's your go-to? What do you like? Go-to flats? Yeah. Um, for you, boy, tough call. I mean, I like those labellas a lot, but see on the, it, again, it depends. The labella, on the which ones? Oh, uh, well, see, on, if I'm, yeah, I would put the 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 labella at seven sixties that are on your Wilkins P. I would probably put those on my jazz bass. Okay. Um, I love the Tomelskinfelds on my Hofner mm-hmm. club bass. Um, the thing about putting flats on a fretless. Standard flats is you're gonna lose moi yeah, unless yeah. you're playing the high notes, and mm-hmm. it just depends how important that is to you. True. Um, so you know, again, it kind of depends on on the bass. Probably for me, those right now those labellas are probably. If I had to pick one, mm-hmm. you know, you can play one set. I'd probably because they're so versatile. And those are the seven sixties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not the not the white nylon. Not the white okay. nylon. There, I but I do like see on the fretless yeah. white nylon's great. You get a lot of singing tone and articulateness and they're very comfortable and you don't worry about tearing up your fretboard not that you would worry about that i never but, worry about that but some of us do uh, <laughs> yeah the um all right so let's uh so doug's pick for somebody that's just gonna try flat lounge for the first time on a fretted bass what would you recommend yeah the labella 760s you right. cannot go wrong cool. and on a fretless White nylon. White nylon. Okay. I would. I mean, I was going to say cool. black nylon. There's, you can. You really can't go wrong with either of those. You just the the thing Aesthetics. you need to think about is well, okay, how it looks. If yeah. you want to look, if you don't like that black look, then go with the white mm-hmm. nylons. If you want a little more brightness in your sound, go with white. Cool. If you want a deeper, rounder, fatter tone with still a good amount of articulation, mm-hmm. the black nylons are they're great strings. They're great. They're great cool. strings. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, dude, that was our. Our uh, flat wound roundup. So that was fun. I've learned a lot because, and I don't know if I'm sold on them yet. I don't know. You won't be. I You're won't. a round wound guy. I'm a round wound, right? I'm trying to. I'm trying. I'm trying to, to stretch out a little bit. Well, this is why it's important to have multiple bases so you can put. <coughs> True. If you're a bass player, you've got to have how many? You know, you got to have a half dozen basses. Oh man, you have to have a P, a J, a Music Man, a Hollow Body, a Just Fred to accommodate all these different strings. Four and a five. Right? Yeah, this is true. Well, I think I um I am gonna gig this next week or so with the seven sixties on the Wilkins. I'm cool. gonna take it out to gigs and cool. and really try it. So. Um, yeah, just you'll dig them. I think you will. I know. I don't know if you'll fall in love with them as your mm-hmm. main string, but I yeah. think you'll dig them. Okay. I'll give him a shot. You know me. I'm I'm a dr stainless steel guy, man. I and I even like the legends too. The legends, the legends are very just like man. They're yeah. they're they're Motown. If you had a Motown gig, you can't beat yeah, that. Yeah, you can't go wrong. That's, yeah, that's that's just a great sound. <laughs> yeah, it's a good sound. So, all right. Well, everybody, thank you for listening in. Um, this has been a bass hang podcast. We're calling it the Bass Geeks. Because as you can hear, that's kind of what we are. So again, Steve Araujo here and Doug Kaplan. We are checking out. And again, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it, guys. Till the next time. See you later. Thank you.